Hey, uh, we are in a series called What's New? And what we're talking about is in so many different areas of our lives, um, we ask each other that question, hey, what's new? And you talk about, well, you know, and, and I, as I've mentioned before, in our lives, we are uh, empty nesters. Uh, so... Um, that is a, a phenomenal experience. Uh, and so my garage is spotless. All my tools are in their right place. I just walk out there and I lie on the floor and I just look up <laughs> and go, this is so great. Uh, the house is clean. I mean, it's just awesome. The other night, Lisa and I were just sitting on the couch doing this thing called communicating. <laughs> and it's really, it's really wonderful. And so uh, uh, we, that, we've been talking about that, but, but the, really the most important thing about what's new is what's new in your relationship with God, because that can become, did you guys really do the Dodgers on this side and, like there's, and the Red Sox on this side? No? Okay. Well, anyway, it look, looked like you actually took his word for it and di- did it. Uh, yeah, Dodgers are going to the World Series. That's awesome. Yeah. Is that tonight? Tuesday is the first one? Okay, good. Okay, all right. Sorry. I, I, I'm a huge baseball fan. <clears throat> so, <laughs> that is baseball, right? Dodgers, right? Okay, good, good. Awesome. Uh, no, so, so we, we talk about that. Like, what, what's going on in your relationship with God? Because that, God doesn't intend that to get stale. He doesn't intend for that relationship to just kind of reach a plateau and be done. He's constantly uh, refining us. The word of God says this, that you work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And that doesn't mean you're scared. Uh, it, it just means that you, you're wondering, what else can I do to grow in my relationship with God? That this is a process. It's a journey. And so... This morning, I want to share a story about a man um, who was stuck, and um, um, he had just gotten to a place in his life where um, he couldn't get out of his condition by himself, that he needed Jesus to enter the scene. And so, we're going to be talking about some stuff this morning that, when I was going through this over the week, I was like, how do I introduce this story? Because um, in our particular culture. We're going to be talking about demons this morning, okay? And in our particular culture, because we're science-based and, uh, and, and all that, it's very difficult for us to wrap our mind around demons and Satan and th- those types of things. And so um, when, when you bring up a, 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 something like this, for those of you who are maybe new to the faith or you're new to the Bible or you like church like it is now, but I don't know about the Satan thing or whatever. Um, I I want you to understand that I believe that demons and Satan uh, are are real, okay? And so I I believe that that there is another kingdom, okay? And that kingdom has in it angels and demons and Satan and Jesus and and all that kind of stuff. And we, uh, as a culture, as a westernized culture, we tend to focus so much on the physical that we don't really think about uh, the spiritual, And so uh, when we talk about these things, I would just, for those of you who have a hard time wrapping your head around that, I would would just encourage you in the next 35 minutes or hour and a half when I get done or whatever, um, to to just put that aside and to read the story for what it actually says. Because when we read this story, we might see the word demon, but you could put anything in there. Somebody stuck, somebody broken. 
And so uh, the other day I was, uh, we, we have a charter school that comes here on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And it's so awesome because the kids are running all around the campus. And it's just, everything's better with kids. And uh, so, unless they're in the house. And so, um, <laughs> you, 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 you uh, uh, they're, they're running all around. And so one of our neighbors um, who's doesn't have a house right now, uh, came on campus and he's not, it's hard to talk to him. His name's James uh, because he doesn't make that much sense. And so he came on campus and one of the teachers said, pastor, could you, could you, there's a man on campus. Can you talk to him? So I, I talked to James and I said, Hey James, you got it. You got to go, man. We got kids here and it's a closed campus. He's like, Oh, I know, I know pastor. I know, I know, but do you know Brad? And I'm like, no, I don't know Brad. Yeah, because that the thing, that that the thing that he had, that that's gone now. And I said, "That's awesome, James. So you need to leave the campus because we have kids around. It's a close. I know, but I got to talk to Brad because that thing. If we don't get it, then we won't have it. And then well, I got to go over there. I said, "Yeah, man, that's awesome. Why don't we walk off campus together? Okay, right." I don't know what James' problem is. I don't know if he's bipolar. I don't know if it's a drug issue or whatever. But this story that I'm going to tell you that's in the Bible applies to James. And more importantly, it applies to you and I. Because we get into places, whether we want to or not, where we get stuck. And we need Jesus. And so we find Jesus. It's in Mark chapter 5. If you have a device that has a Bible on it or an actual Bible. They sell those. Um, uh, you can open up to Mark chapter 5. And uh, basically what's happened is Jesus has calmed a storm already. Okay? So, so what Mark is showing as he's writing these things, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is that, God, that Jesus has the ability to calm nature. Like to calm a storm. And it freaked the disciples out like it would you or I. And so we find Jesus, he ends up, they went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. Now this area, you have to understand from a Jewish mind, this is an unclean area. It's a Gentile area. Jews would not even go in there because in this particular culture, it's an honor-shame culture. So the Pharisees had honor and then they would shame those below them. There's honor-shame and it's also a clean, unclean culture. And to go and to step out of the boat into this Gentile land would be unclean. It would make Jesus and his disciples unclean. Here's the very first point I want to make. Jesus steps through barriers. He doesn't care what race you are. He doesn't care how poor you are, how rich you are. He doesn't care about anything about that. He doesn't care what sex you are. He just, he just, he breaks through those barriers. This is why we say all the time at Living Spring, it doesn't matter if you walk through those doors, we're going to love you. It's just what we kind of do. And so Jesus steps into this un, uh, unclean land. And when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit, unclean, came from the tombs, unclean. Unclean land, unclean dude, unclean spirit, Coming from the tombs. Jesus would have to do a ceremonial washing. But Jesus is unlike any other Jew. It says the man lived in the tombs. And no one could bind him anymore. Not even with a chain. 
For he had often been chained, hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. And what's incredible about this man is that he was able to break the physical chains, but he was unable to break the spiritual chains. He was stuck. And you might be in that area of your life right now. There might be some chains, not physical, something spiritual that's going on that has you bound up, an addiction, uh, a struggle, maybe something with your brain, anxiety, depression, something like that. And that's where this man is. Now listen, listen to the situation he was in. Night and day, among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. He was an outcast. He was someone that you would ignore. He's someone you take your kids and go, we're not going to talk to that guy. He's weird. The whole, all the town knew about him. I don't know what they called him, tomb guy or whatever. Don't, don't ever talk to the guy that, you know, is in the graves. And kids probably would sneak around and try to get a glimpse of him. And maybe they'd yell stuff at him and run. And it was a whole big game or whatever. But he's a man who's stuck. He's a man who is, while the world, if we want to call it, or culture or whatever, they couldn't, they couldn't figure him out. They couldn't fix him. And so they decided to either ignore him or tie him up or whatever. Jesus looks past all of that and looks at that man. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. And he shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Let me tell you something. Having studied Jesus for a while, he doesn't want anything with you or from you. He wants something for you. He wants you to be free. He wants you to be delivered. He wants you to be whole. And so this man, because he's being tormented by these demons thinks in the way that demons would think. They torture, so they would think that you would torture. In counseling, we call it projecting. <laughs> the demons are projecting. If, if I were you, I would torture me. But Jesus doesn't work that way. And what's amazing to me is that these demons get his title right. His demon, the demons get his title right before the disciples get his title right. Jesus... Son of the Most High God. That's the Jesus I follow. And he says this, In God's name, don't torture me. And then Jesus, See, I, I, I know, oftentimes I read too much into the Bible, but I try to place myself there. And I'd be like, if I was a disciple, I'd be like, hey, Jesus, I'm going to be in the boat, okay? You handle the whole demon thing, because it's freaking me out, Okay? In one of the Gospels, it says that he doesn't have any clothes on, okay? So it's freakier than you think. It's not just demons. You had me at naked, okay? Like, I don't want to be around that. And so I'd be like in the boat. He says, don't torture me. Jesus said, come out of this man, you impure spirit. And he asked him, what's your name? I, this is so sweet because we don't know who he's talking to. 
We assume it's the demon because the demon answers. But the demon might have been interrupting the man. Do you ever think about that? That Jesus might have looked into his eyes and seen the stuckness and the brokenness and the torment and wants to know what this guy's name is. Now, like I said, I might be reading too much into the Bible, but that sounds a lot like Jesus to me. And so we asked him, what's, what's your name? And it says, uh, my name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. Um, it's interesting that they use that term, that the demon or demons use that term. It's a Roman term. It's 6,000 soldiers. And so some scholars think that there were 6,000 demons in him. I, I have no idea even how you'd calculate that or even how that even works. I know this, that the satanic forces, the demons and Satan, uh, the Bible says that when they speak, they speak lies. It's their native tongue. So for all I know, the guy could be lying. But it's only one demon, but he's saying, hey, there's so many of us. You better get out of here. Leave us alone. You know, we outnumber you. But you might outnumber Jesus, but you'll never outmatch Jesus. And so uh, he says, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. Okay, another thing we learn from the Bible about demonic forces, they love territories. And so they will take up a territory and try to control that territory. And so you'll read sometimes uh, about, uh, the, like in the Old Testament, and Daniel talks about the prince of Persia, that there was a demonic forces there that kind of had a stronghold on that. And you might even notice this just taking the demon stuff aside where you've just been in a place where you just didn't feel right. It just felt like, man, I can't put my finger on it, but it could be demonic stronghold. Again, I'm not trying to freak you out or anything. It's just that it happens. That, that, that's what happens. And this is where they wanted to stay in their region. So the Bible continues on. And um, basically, I just, this isn't a verse in the Bible. It's like, Five verses. Jesus sent them into 2,000 pigs. Okay. So we, we, we kind of like short the story up a little bit. Watch what happens because this is very interesting. And as you deal with people who are stuck and as you deal with people who Jesus is wanting to set free, you'll notice some common themes that we see with the people around this broken, stuck, tormented man. Those tending the pigs, so the pigs, he sends them into 2,000 pigs. The pigs basically run off a cliff and drown themselves in the, in the, in the ocean or lake. Okay, and so that's, that's what happens. Kind of, kind of freaky, all right? I'd be, I'd be like going way out, okay? Uh, and have Jesus do his thing. And I'd just tell me when you're done, Jesus, I'll come back to shore, pick you up. Or you can just walk out and meet us. It doesn't matter what you want to do. <laughs> So those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what happened. That's exactly what you and I would do. You know, you'd run back and you go, hey, remember that, remember the tomb guy? Yeah, the naked guy, right? Remember that guy, the the demon guy that we, we couldn't bind? Well, Jesus talked to him, and he said he had a demon, and then Jesus, I don't know what he did, he just like and all of a sudden the demon's out and he goes into the pigs and they all rush in and so everybody's rushing out. So when they came to Jesus, listen to this. Man, it's just tough for me not to get emotional when I see this verse. When you think about this man who is stuck, who is broken, 
who would wander around the hillsides crying out and cutting himself with stones. When Jesus came, uh, when they uh, came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind. This is exactly where Jesus wants you to be. And it doesn't matter if you got demon problems, if you have addiction problems, if you have personality disorder, if you're not right in a certain part of your life. He wants you sitting there dressed and in your right mind. You know, uh, as I was going through this narrative in my mind, I thought to myself, how did he get dressed? How did he? I'll bet one of those disciples, or maybe Jesus himself, said, hey, and took off an outer garment. Maybe they had something in the boat. But it was such a beautiful picture of what, you know, the church, which basically means gathering. It doesn't mean building. Started out with these 12 dudes. These 12 guys who were disciples or followers of Jesus. And it was just a really neat picture to me of like, before the church even became the church, they were responding like the church. Here's this person, an outcast from society, acting crazy, running around in tombs and all this kind of stuff. And somebody, one of those disciples, or maybe Jesus himself said, hey, I got this. And took off one of their garments, gave him one of their pieces of clothing. It's very, very sweet. And so here's this guy, he's sitting by Jesus, he's clothed, he can think, legion is gone, all all that kind of stuff. And you know what is amazing to me? The next four words in the Bible. Here's this, this huge miracle happens. Okay, yes, it was at the expense of like... 7,000 packages of bacon. But, uh, so they, they, you know, it cost, it cost some pigs. Okay, so, so there you go. Um, it really was a tragedy. Uh, and so the people come out and they see that miracle. They see Jesus. And they see this man that they knew they tried to bind. They tried to solve the problem. They couldn't. So they made him an outcast. And they left him to do whatever he's going to do. And now they walk upon this situation and they look and there he is. And here's what the Bible says. And they were afraid. Afraid? Jesus just like healed a man. But because they couldn't wrap their head around how Jesus operates, because they couldn't wrap their head around how this all happened, they rejected Jesus. Let me tell you something. Healing comes at a cost a lot of times. As some of you who are stuck, you have a bunch of people around you that are enabling that. Um, They're maybe even encouraging that. You have a situation that you know you need to get out of, but your friends and they they have their input into your life. And that sometimes maybe it's hard for you to take the steps you need to take because you're afraid of how they're afraid. Because that's, that, that's all it is. If you have friends who are 
pushing you down the wrong path and you say, you know what, I'm not going to do that. It's just they're, they're, they're afraid. <laughs> they're afraid that, what, you know, what, what happens if, they, if you don't follow with them? What happens if you're, if, if you're made whole? What does that say about them? Same situation in here. They're, they're afraid. It says those who had seen it uh, told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you think they'd be pleading, save me too? Release my chains too? Can you come to our house? We've got this person who's alien. We have this person who needs uh, salvation. We got this person who needs to be healed. Again, four words. They began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. Everything about this story, um, if you were one of the first Jewish readers, um, this, would be, this would be a hilarious story to you, okay? Because first of all, uh, it's in an unclean uh, um, uh, region, okay? And so their Gentiles lived there. And then pigs were unclean. They couldn't eat pigs. So the fact that Jesus goes into an unclean region, takes unclean spirits and puts them into an unclean uh, animal and kills them all, this would be awesome. And then to have the people go, ah, you know, get out of here, they, this would be like, this would be great if you're Jewish. This, would, this is like a great story. To me, it's heartbreaking. To me, it's heartbreaking that you'd be so close to Jesus You've seen the miracles, and yet you choose to reject him. And yet I see it all the time. I see it all the time in my profession and just in people I meet. Where Jesus wants so desperately to release you from your chains. He wants so desperately to set you free. He wants so desperately for you to be whole. But there's a fear in that. There's a fear of what if I really give the God of the universe, authority over my life in every area. And so we ask Jesus, maybe not to leave our region, but maybe to leave a certain region to us. Everything, you can have everything. You can jam around, get in the boat, go over here. You can do, have all the things. But this particular region, you, you can't have. I'm too scared. I want you to leave this region to me. I'm going to control it. I'm going to bind it up with my own chains. I'm going to keep it under control. I'm going to make sure that it just is pushed aside. And Jesus says, I'm here. I'm here to set you free. Jesus says that he's come that you might be free indeed. <laughs> like really free. Watch what happens. This is getting to my, some of my favorite part of the story. As Jesus was getting into the boat... The man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Heck yeah. <laughs> I would. I'd be like, man, but I'm pretty much done with the tombs now, so what are you, where are you guys going? And where are you heading off? You know, I got Peter's robe on. I can't just, like, keep this, right? I got I to gotta go. And so he, he, he begs Jesus. He begs Jesus to go with him. And Jesus does something to me uh, in my mind that, I think is so touching and so sweet. And it shows you, going back to the original question that this man asked, or the demon asked through the man, what do you want with me? 
What do you want with me? And as I said before, Jesus doesn't want anything from this man. He wants something for this man. And look what he says to him. Jesus could have said, yeah, you owe me big time. Okay? You were demon possessed. And I cast him out. Come on, get in the boat. I'm going to have you work for me for the rest of your life. You owe me. This is what he says. He did not let him, but said, go home. Go home to your own people. Man, I wonder how long it had been that that dude had been home. I wonder how long he lived in those tombs. I wonder how long all he knew was his brokenness. And Jesus says, you know what the best thing for you is right now? It's not ministry. It's not to serve me and to follow me and to go work. It's to go home, to be restored back to your family and to your people. Now, he gives him a little caveat. Tell him. Tell him what happened. He says, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Man, sometimes I think about James and some of the other relationships we have with people around our church who are stuck. I think about this man, I think, man, what would it be like if James came back? And he's like, hey, Pastor John. I'm free. I'm, I'm clothed. I don't smell. I'm in my right mind. I got a job. I think, man, Jesus could do that. Jesus can do that. I don't know if it's a miraculous thing or Jesus just has to grab a hold of the guy's heart and say, look, what, the way you've been living is I got to change. I don't, I don't know how, how, but I know he's got the power to do it. I know he has the power to break chains. And so here's my question for you this morning. What if, as a church, as the people of God, or maybe those of you who are in this, just the beginning part of this journey, what if we began to see the outcast, the one that's not quite right? Maybe it's, maybe it's not even someone demon-possessed or like James who doesn't seem to be in his right mind half the time. Maybe it's just somebody at work. You're like, man, that guy is angry all the time. What if we began to see him like Jesus did? We began to say, okay, you know what? I'm not going to let this boundary, this artificial boundary, stop me from getting out of the boat and to engage and to go, what's your name? And to just bring the light of Jesus into that cubicle or into that, that neighbor. Maybe it's a neighbor who's just, you don't like the neighbor. I, trust me, I've had, I've had many neighbors that I did not uh, like very much. And then over time, Jesus, I hate it when he does it, where it's like, dude, you can't, you need to go talk to that person. I'm like, I'm staying in the boat, man. I'm staying in the boat. I know what they do at that house. I know everything about them. And Jesus says, get out of the boat. What if we began to see people like that? People that were different than us, people from that were not like us. Maybe for you, you got a problem with 
other races. You need to get that out. You need to be done with that. Maybe for you, it's you have a judgmental spirit towards somebody because of the way they dress or how they look or whatever. What I want to do this morning is um, I want to read one more verse, which ta- Paul is talking in the, in the, he wrote this letter to the church in Galatia. And he, he wraps this story up, basically. And, and, um, and we're going to have a chance to, to uh, pray for each other in a bit. But he says this, but now that you know God, and then I love what he says this, or rather are known by God, <laughs> like he, he knows that God knows you more than you know him. How is it that you're turning back to those weak and miserable forces. Can you imagine if the guy in the cave was like, man, I need just like two or three demons. I don't need 2,000 of them, but I just want to get back to the, I'd like to go back to the tombs again. I miss the tombs. I miss the rocks. I miss all that. It's almost like Paul's saying, There's going to be a tendency in your and my lives because we're broken that we're going to be tempted to go back to the place we were B.C., before Christ. That there's going to be some way we want to handle a situation by binding it up ourselves with our own chains or by trying to control it. And Paul is saying this, that's going to be your tendency. But now that you know God, or rather you're known by God, why... How is it that you're turning back to those weak and miserable forces? And here's the question. Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? And so as the worship team comes back up, I want to give us um, some time uh, to pray. What I'd like to do is if you would like to stand on behalf of somebody or you want to stand on behalf of yourself. If you know someone who is stuck and you think the only way they're going to get out of this is to have an encounter with Jesus, we want to pray for you. And we want to pray for that person. And we want to stand with you that those chains that might have been bound them up for years and years and years would be broken. Okay. If you would pray with me. Jesus, chain breaker, the most holy God that steps out of the boat, we thank you that you do not and are not confined by things. Lord, I pray on behalf of the people who have stood either for themselves or someone else to break these chains, Lord God. We know you can do it. Lord, we pray that, uh, uh, that we would see miracles, Lord Jesus. That there would be an outpouring of your Holy Spirit. That uh, in, in, these, in these places that are maybe hidden or not hidden or just stuck. Where there's, there's just brokenness, Lord. We pray that you'd bring life. Where there's ashes, we pray for beauty. Where there's things torn down, we pray that you would build them up. For stumbling blocks, Lord Jesus, we pray for stepping stones in these people's lives. That what happened to this man so many thousands of years ago would be true in the lives of the people that we're representing this morning. And we say this, and we pray this, and we believe this in your matchless name, Jesus. We thank you, Lord God. We thank you for all that you do. 
and all that you have yet to do. In your precious name, amen.